0: Friend, if you have not yet blessed us with a donation, I just want to ask you personally, would you consider helping us with a one-time donation so we can produce more Bible teachings like this and reach many, many more people? And for all of you who have already blessed us with a donation, we say thank you. And please remember, for more of an impact, would you consider becoming a Christ-centered partner with us? All that means is that you will join hands with us and the Lord, and you will support us regularly with your prayer and your financial giving, and in return, we will also bless you back. And obviously, God, who is a giver, will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly, and you will be making a difference in the lives of hundreds and thousands of others with your financial giving. To become a Christ-centered partner, you can visit our website, drruthtanya.org, and learn more about that. So, before I leave, I just want to say one more time, if the Lord has put it in your heart to give, please don't ignore that. God will bless you back. Please take a step of faith. Visit our website today, Dr. Ruth. It It is a safe and secure website. Make a one-time donation as you are led by the Lord or consider becoming a partner. And I just want to say thank you in advance for doing so. And I know that God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly exceedingly. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We welcome you today. Dr. Ruth continues. Ruth continues.
0: Okay, we are now down to Leviticus chapter 25, and what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, we will learn about the Sabbath year. If you recall, the Lord had given the Israelites commandment to observe the Sabbath day. Remember? He told them for six days they would work, and then day number seven, they would observe that as a holy day, a Sabbath day. I'm sure you recall, and we have uh, discussed the principles of the Sabbath uh, throughout this uh, teaching in the book of Genesis, Exodus, and even in Leviticus. So here we will see the Lord giving the Israelites a commandment to observe Sabbath for the land that they will possess when they get into the promised land. Also in this chapter, we will learn about the year of Jubilee, okay? In essence, a year of liberty. Uh, So those are the two major things we will learn in this chapter. So let's take a closer look at uh, some verses here. Uh, Verses 1 through 7, in summary, God gave specific instructions to the Israelites through Moses to have a Sabbath rest for the land uh, when they get into the promised land. So uh, picking this up here with um, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and said to them, I am now in verse 2. When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Verse 3. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. Verse 4. But in the seventh year, The land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. So we see how the Lord is giving specific instructions for the Israelites to allow the land to rest for one full year. And the rest of the verses, beginning with verse 5 all the way to verse 7, the Lord went on to explain how. On that Sabbath year, they should not reap harvest from the land. They should not plow the land. They should leave it alone. And the principle here, I mean, before I even discuss the principle, as you would imagine, the Israelites would be concerned about how they would feed themselves, their families, and their livestock on that seventh year, and even on the eighth and the ninth year. So, but the Lord would reassure them and instruct them uh, with regards to what will happen on year number seven, eight, and nine. And we will discuss that when we get to verse 18. But for now, let's talk about the principle of the Sabbath here. Like I have said before, when God gives a commandment, it's not just because he wants to give a commandment. Is for our own benefit. So, what is happening here is that the Lord is telling the Israelites to allow the land to rest for one year, again, molding and shaping them to trust Him, God. You see, because if the Israelites do not work in their vineyards or in their field for one full year, how were they going to survive? So, God was telling them. You have to trust me, God, as your provider. You have to trust me, God, as the one who owns the land in the first place. Okay? So again, the key principle here is that of training and molding and shaping the Israelites to learn how to trust and to depend on the Lord for their daily provisions, okay, for the abundance out of their vineyards, and from their harvest. So that is the uh, principle here of the Sabbath, which is still the same principles today for us in this uh, 2017. We are still to look unto the Lord as our provider, all right? And he is the one who gives us the strength to produce wealth anyway. We are told that in Deuteronomy 818 so that is the same principle here okay moving along here uh, I am now down to verse 8 this is a year of Jubilee and uh, verses 8 all the way to verse Um, let's see all the way to actually almost to the end of this chapter which is verse 33, will really get into details about the year of Jubilee. I know some of you may be thinking, well, what has that got to do with me? Well, remember, the principles are the same. So let us take a closer look at some of the, of the verses here. Then we will highlight the principles that are still applicable to us today. Let's take a look at um, verse 8. Count of seven Sabbath years. Remember, now this is the Lord telling Moses to then relate this to the Israelites. The Lord said, count of seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Well, if you do the math, that's what you will come to, 49 years. Verse nine. Then half the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Verse ten. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. Verse 11, The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended uh, vines. So we see how uh, the Lord is telling them that the fiftieth year is to be a year of jubilee. And also, They have to also observe Sabbath to the land, okay? And then in verse 12, uh, the Lord said, For it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the field. So a lot of Bible scholars say that there is no evidence, at least in the scriptures, that this year of jubilee was celebrated by the Jews or the Israelites, Okay, however, the, uh, if the year of Jubilee would have been celebrated, it would have brought much prosperity to the nation of Israel as a country. Because God's original idea for this Jubilee was that, number one, this year of Jubilee was meant so that all debt would be canceled, okay? Debt cancellation was to take place. Number two, all the slaves were to be set free. And number three, all the property that had been purchased in the previous years were to be returned to the uh, prior owners of the property. Okay, again, so retaining all the land sold to the original owners if these principles or if the whole teachings about the Jubilee were were carried out it would have meant that the nation of Israel would have really prevented permanent poverty so it was a great idea in so that they would prosper and and um, prevent, Prolonged permanent poverty. But like I said earlier, many Bible scholars uh, believed that it actually never took place. It wasn't practiced. Okay. So let let us take a closer look at some of the instructions that the Lord had given Moses to relate to the Israelites how this year of Jubilee was to uh, take place. Even though, like I said before, uh, there is no evidence that this actually took place. But let's take a look at the principles here, which are still applicable to us today. Okay, let's take a closer look at certain uh, verses. Let's look at verse 13. In this year of Jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property, just like I mentioned before. That way we see how the wealth would be redistributed. It would eliminate people. Uh, Lasting poverty. Verse 14, if you sell land to any of your own people or buy land from them, do not take advantage of each other. Verse 15, you are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee. So the Lord went on to give instructions how they were to um, buy back land or how they were to renegotiate returning the land or buying back the land during this year of Jubilee. And we come to verse 16. When the years are many, you are to increase the price. And when the years are few, you are to decrease the price because what is really being sold to you is the number of crops. So we see how the Lord is giving specific instructions how the Israelites were to... um, Return the land during the Jubilee year, lands that had been purchased from from owners. Verse 17, do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so we come down to verse 18. Um, You know how? Or you remember how I had said earlier how the Israelites would be apprehensive with regards to that year of the Sabbath rest, uh, verses uh, 18, all the way through verse 22, will address that. The Lord would reassure them. So let's take a closer look at these verses. Beginning with verse 18, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Verse 19, then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your field and live there in safety. Verse 20, you may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? Remember, we talked about this. Verse 21 has the answer. The Lord said, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. Verse 22. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. So you see how the Lord was reassuring them that if they followed his decrees and observed the Sabbath rest to the land, if they do not do any any plowing, they just let the land rest for one year, he will bless them abundantly, exceedingly, to last them for three years. Three years because on the seventh year, they have to let the land rest. And And in that seventh year, while they are not walking, the land will produce abundance for them to survive. And then in the eighth year, the land will also produce much abundance because in the eighth year, when they begin to plant, of course, it takes a year or two years for the crops to to harvest. So while waiting for the crops to harvest on year number eight and year number nine, God's abundant provision will take care of them. So you see how the Lord was reassuring them that, if they observe his decrease, they had nothing to be concerned about. Again, molding and shaping them to look unto him as their provider. Because if they do nothing on the seventh year, and then on, the, on that seventh year, they still had plenty to eat. On the eighth and ninth year, they had abundance to eat. Of course, that would strengthen their faith. That would quicken them, build their trust. In God as their provider. So that was the whole principle here. And also this was really good because we see a God who is conserving natural resources. Let the land rest for one year. Okay? So um, that is also a good thing to to take care of the land and conserve its natural resources. So we come to verse... um, 23, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners. So the Lord went on to explain to them that when they go to that promised land, they cannot sell (laughs) the land permanently because he owns everything. So the Lord is instilling a principle here that you are just caretakers of the land. Even though you are going to possess the promised land, you don't own it. I, the Lord, owns everything. And he truly does. So he was reminding the Israelites that you are just going there to be good stewards of the land. So you have to observe my my Sabbath uh, law and rest and um, allow the land to rest. And you cannot sell this land anyway because I own it. Just take care of it. So that is the principle there. And so now we come to um, verses 25 all the way to uh, verse uh, 28. The Lord would give instructions how to redeem property sold by uh, fellow Israelites who became poor. Let's take a look at uh, this uh, verse 25 here. If one of your fellow Israelites Becomes poor and sells some of their property. Their nearest relatives is to come and redeem what they have sold. Remember, these are all instructions for the year of Jubilee. So that we see how the Lord is giving instructions how the poor should be taken care of. Verse 26. If, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, but later... On they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it for themselves. They are to determine the value for the years since they sold it and refund the balance to the one to whom they sold it. Again, instructions on how to return the land to its original owners during the year of Jubilee, taking care of the poor. You see, God's heart is for the poor and for the rich. And you have to remember, when we read the scriptures, we see a lot of specific instructions to take care of the poor, to take care of the poor, because, you know, during this time in the Israelite community, as an example, there were no provisions for handicaps. There were no provisions, say, for women could not work outside of the home. So especially women were really uh, dependent on their husbands for a their survival and they could not work so uh, they were essentially poor and really depending on the mercy of God and the mercy of others so we see the Lord giving specific instructions to really take care of the poor so that the ones who are wealthy do not take advantage of the poor or the ones who are wealthy do not maltreat the poor so the Lord had to give specific instructions how to take care of the poor all right, and that is still applicable to us today. Jesus teaches us that throughout the gospels that we should we should take care of the poor, the underprivileged, we should treat them with equality, with love and compassion. So God's heart is for the poor and for the rich, but those those are uh, individuals who are prospering should not take advantage of the underprivileged because God considers that to be a sin. All right. So let's take a look at uh, verses 29. Really all the way to verse 35, the Lord went on to give specific instructions how to uh, redeem homes during that year of Jubilee. Okay. Um He gives us instructions in uh, verse 30 how to redeem homes that are walled in a city, homes that have walled walls. And he also gives instructions. You can see that in verse 31 pertaining to homes that are out in the open in the villages, how those homes are to be redeemed. And then verses 32 all the way to 34 give specific instructions how the Levites can also redeem their houses. Uh, During the year of uh, Jubilee, you can read those uh, specific instructions there on your own. Let's come to verse 35. Again, we see the heart of God in regards to the poor. Uh, Verses 35 through 39. Let's take a closer look at these verses. If any of your fellow Israelites uh, become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. Again, the Lord giving specific instructions for the wealthier Israelites not to neglect the needs of the poor, just like he is telling us today to have concern for those who are poor. Uh, Verse uh, 36, do not take interest or any profit uh, from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. Verse 37, you must not lend them money at interest or sell them food at a profit. Wow. So the Lord is saying that when the richer Israelites treat the poor, they should not uh, ask them to pay back interest or if they were to lend to them they should not ask the poor to pay them back with interest okay they should take no interest uh, or make any profit out of the poor you you they could not lend money to the poor and expect to collect interest so we see the Lord giving strict Guidelines and standards how money is to be uh, given to the poor with regards to uh, borrowing money. If the poor person comes to a rich Israelite and say, borrow me some money, how that uh, transaction is to take place. Boy, doesn't this make sense? If, If the poor person today comes to you to borrow some money, is that fair or would that be fair if you were to tell the poor person that, okay, I'm borrowing you a hundred bucks. When you pay me back, pay me back 125. Well, they are already poor. How are they going to pay you that interest? That would be a bondage. So we see the Lord here saying, don't do that because that would put the poor in more bondage. So don't uh, get interest. Don't, don't Don't do that, which is still applicable to us today. Number one, we should not be. Borrowing stuff to the poor and expecting interest anyway. We should just give it out of love, out of compassion, trusting that the Lord will give it back to us. That is called benevolence. Benevolence giving to the poor and trusting God to bless us back. Verse 39, we are moving right along here. Um this is really interesting because the Lord is going to give instructions, beginning with uh, verse 39, all the way to um, verse uh, 46, how the uh, Israelites are not to make their fellow Israelites as a slave. All right. Verse 39, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. So we see the Lord prohibiting uh, slavery among the Israelites. So they cannot, a rich Israelite could not just have taken a poor Israelite and say, come and be my slave. The Lord said, "You, you won't do that. Verse 40, they are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. So the Lord is saying that you will not make your fellow Israelites as a slave. There will be an employee, and treat them with decency. And uh, verse uh, 42, the Lord tells us why. Because the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought out of Egypt. They must not be sold as slaves. Verse 43, do not rule over them ruthlessly, ruthlessly, but fear your God. Wow. This is really preventing people from taking advantage of other people is preventing employers from maltreating their employees and you know you may you may think that some of these uh, laws are not applicable they are extremely applicable today i mean i am an employer i have government laws that that forbid or prevents me from maltreating employees from from maltreating them uh, ruthlessly from not paying them correctly from not giving them the appropriate amount of break time from not honoring sick time we have laws from the government that have been imposed to us employers to enforce that way we treat employees fairly we have labor laws so you see how in the bible the Lord was giving the Israelites labor laws, how to treat one another, how to treat employees with fairness. It is still applicable today. The Bible, boy, is still applicable today. These principles are still applicable right now. All right. This is respect uh, for your fellow human being. And... Um, Verse 44, we see the Lord telling the Israelites that they can have slaves from surrounding nations around them. And they should treat them, of course, with respect. But again, reiterating the fact that their fellow Israelites cannot become uh, slaves. Look at verse 47. If a foreigner residing among you becomes rich and any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to the foreigner or to a member of the foreigner's clan, verse 48, they retain the right of redemption after they have sold themselves. The Lord went on to explain in those verses that, Uh, As we see that in verse uh, 49, one of their relatives may redeem them. At the year of Jubilee, a relative of the Israelites may go back and redeem them from that rich foreigner. So that is what is explained in those verses there. We come all the way down to verse 54. The Lord said, even if someone is not redeemed in any of these ways, they and their children are to be released In the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites belong to me as servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Again, the Lord is protecting and expressing his love for the Israelites. Boy, this is really, like I said earlier, even though they the year of jubilee we have no evidence that it actually took place the principles are still applicable just the, the the principle of liberty freedom just imagine the slaves who were freed on the year of jubilee and the owners who regained their property they regained their land just just imagine that that sense of liberty and freedom that they experienced so what we have learned from chapter 25 is just that that principle of freedom and liberty, which is still applicable today. And Jesus Christ has fulfilled that for us. Today, as New Testament believers, Jesus Christ has freed us from our old, sinful, fallen nature. Jesus Christ has freed us from the hands of of the devil. So today, we have liberty in Christ. Today, we have freedom in Christ. Just think about the freedom that you are experiencing right now in Christ. That is, that that, that that freedom that the slaves and the Israelites enjoyed during that year of Jubilee. But today, we have that freedom permanently in Christ. Okay? But unfortunately, as we will learn moving forward in the Old Testament, um. Uh, These uh, Israelites, really, they continuously disobeyed God. They continuously sinned against God. So they did not truly enjoy that blessed relationship with God that he had intended for them to enjoy as they obeyed his laws. And we see the same thing happening even in the New Testament. We have Christians who have been freed from from their sinful uh, old nature. They have been redeemed. But yet, they are not enjoying that liberty or freedom because they disobey God and are still practicing and living in sin, which is rather unfortunate because God will never, never bless or honor disobedience. And we will uh, learn that in the very next chapter. So this is a great transition into chapter 26.
1: As you have been blessed... Can you bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more teachings and bless others in return? This program is solely sponsored by the financial donations from friends and listeners like you. We need your financial support in order to reach more people with Dr. Ruth's simple but profound life-changing messages. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtonyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular mail, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries, P.O. Box 18. Loma Linda, California 92354 You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address info at org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978. Dr. Ruth Tanya Ministries is a federal government approved 501c corporation, which means that all your donations are 100% tax deductible as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. We pray for God's love and presence to anchor your soul today. In Christ Jesus. I am Chris Oram. Stay blessed and goodbye for now.